Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano. We've been putting it off for as long as we possibly can, Alex Miller, but today it's finally time to talk about my mob. We're talking about the Bombers, the season that was, looking ahead to 2023. It really can't get much worse than this, can it? Look, uh, it was a frustrating year, Cat, for your mob, that's for sure. A tough run at the start of the year, but there were some positives through some young players in development. But overall, yeah, very frustrating year on and off the field. But can you get stuck into it? I know it's going to be an emotional time for you, Cat, but, uh, you know, that's what we love at A3, raw emotion. Frustrating is the word, Alex Doherty. I've been able to put these boys to the back of my mind for the past three or four months and not have to worry or think about them, but... This is what we have to do on this podcast. We have to make me suffer once again. It's still two months until the season, and I've already got to start going through it. Uh, don't worry, Kat. As soon as we uh, get through publicly executing your team, uh, we'll get through. We'll get through to mine because I'm looking forward to absolutely giving my team the dressing down it deserves. But uh, can't get stuck into this one, Kat. Not none more so than uh, you. Uh, I suppose we just get stuck into it. We'll let you have the floor, Kat. Uh, first uh, first impression of the season? Oh, look. Well, we always start with the positives, so I'm not going to go in too hard on them to start off with. But obviously, it was a disappointing 2022 overall. Bit of uh, buttering up there. Yeah, definitely buttering it up there. Um, obviously, everything got sort of ground to a halt with Truck getting sacked and Brad Scott coming in and a lot of interruptions and whatnot through the year and players out of form and players getting injured and all that kind of stuff. But... Mm. Definitely a down point after a really, really exciting 2021, but there are always positives to take away from the season, boys, and I'll try and hone in on a few of them. First things first, I want to say, Miller, is, is the, the redemption tour, not the redemption tour, probably the proving tour of Peter Wright this yep. season. Um, the man was in very, very good form, basically start to finish, barely had any games where he didn't hit the scoreboard, finished as a leading goal kicker, obviously, won the Crichton medal, and managed to nearly get himself to the bloody Coleman as well, finishing mm. top five. Um, I think he's got to be the biggest positive of the season overall. There's really not much more uh, better than what Big Peter did this year. Yeah, I think 100%, Kat. He has always, I think, put in good effort and shifts at Essendon. And even his time at the Suns, he saw that. And it's been good to see him finally get a really good run on it and put it all together. And I think Peter Wright's shown a lot of natural ability not just with his size. We saw him work up a grand in a few games this, this year, which they really liked. Um, and I really like what he brings to the SN4 line. I know it's been a bit deprived of that key sort of pillar for a long time. And as you said as well, Kat, it's always tough to get involved in the common when you have a tough season like SN mm. did. Um, you know, if you're a bottom sort of six side. But I thought he was really good. And I think the, the biggest thing, We'll ask you both. I'll start with you, Doc. Is that what, what do you think Peter Wright's sort of future is in terms of structure? Because they do like him up the ground. I think he's best playing out of the forward 50, though, and, and leading for those marks is where he's best sort of used for the football club. You make a really good point about being used up the ground because he took so he took a lot of marks, particularly up the ground uh, uh, last, last year. He averaged uh, just nearly six per game. Uh, but I think we. we I'm with you. I think you are, I see him better as as a stay at home full forward, and I think the, the results prove that he, he kicked goals in every game except four. So that was 18 games where he kicked a goal. Uh, the the six goal game against Hawthorne was uh, you, you 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 would have found particularly pleasing, especially especially just the game itself, Cat, because I, I do remember the the lead up to it that you'd lost about five or six players and. Everyone was thinking, oh, look, it's going to be a shoe in for the Hawks. And they were looking all right, but the Bombers bounced back, and I think it was the, the last quarter it was. Yeah. And and Peter Wright was the spearhead in all that. He kicked six. 
that comeback was remarkable. Probably one of the better ones I've seen us play out, uh, especially this season when there were so few highlights. <laughs> Look, in terms of individual games, that one definitely stands out. Uh, the back-to-back wins over Sydney and Brisbane in the later half of the season mm. two, I thought were really, really gutsy as well, Miller. And, um, you know, we, we closed out the season much better than we started. We had that run from round 14 to round 20. We won five of our seven games, which was obviously the highlight point of the year. Things sort of started to move a little bit better. The young guys were getting involved. Mm. Like we said, Peter Wright was in good form. The young kids were getting around it. Hobbsy was playing games. Dylan Shield clicked back on. Um, it was just unfortunate that it wasn't happening all season long. Well, the thing is as well it, that we know, boys, is we've spoken about a few times. Is it was a tough run for us in the start of the year. They had a lot of previously top eight and top six sides that they had to face off the bat, and that was without a few key personnel. You talked about that run at the back end of the year, and some important players came back, and I think Kyle Langford was definitely one of them. Cat that I know me and you and Doc have got massive praises about, and also as well, um, you know, when – the structure sort of as well with Andrew McGrath in the team is looks really, really different and a lot better for sure. So I think, and yeah. also Harry Jones. I mean, you know, sometimes he obviously had a couple of um, big moments that didn't go his way at the end of the year, but he had some important moments when he, in those wins where he kicks, you know, two or three goals because that's what led to those wins. And I think that you look at the, the back end of the year, I think that as well was a bit strange in what happened then with the coach because yeah. – Everything was going sort of right then when the team was sort of back together, which anyway, that's another thing we'll get into in a bit. But Yes, definitely in the negatives discussion, uh, that whole handling. But talk about Harry Jones, Doc, and when you think about Peter Wright's role in this forward line, having him back at full fitness this season, I think is going to be such a big change to the forward line group. We had a lot of struggles with the forwards across the season. And like I said, Peter Wright's trying to do everything, but he's only one man. Um, I just can't wait to see Harry back on the path for 22 games when he only got the 10 in, but I thought he was slowly, slowly getting himself back into form across the year. He kicked 13-5 this, uh, last year, Cat, across 10 games, so that was uh, well over an average of a goal per game. So I think we even saw in 2021 when he played most games that mm. structurally he adds so much more. It allows Peter Wright to play a bit more freely around the ground and gives him a little bit more, a little bit less attention from the defenders. Um, so I, I think what he – and he adds so much as well. I think he's a great presence. He's a great contested grab as well. It's going to be exciting to see those two as the key pillars in that forward 50 uh, this year. Uh, just who you get surrounding them is probably my biggest my biggest issue because I don't mm. know who – yeah, Nick Martin had a great year. I think it's probably another positive we have to take out of out of this the, year. The diamond's in the rough once again, Doc from Dodoro, um, picking up Nick Martin in the supplementary selection period, then getting Massimo, my favourite, Massimo. Uh, in the mid-season draft. Um, two more great selections, I think, to, you know, basically getting them for free. Uh, no, two more fantastic draft picks by Dodoro this year. Absolutely, and we, we do talk about him at length. Uh, Miller is a bit of a bit of a tough negotiator, but he he, he drafts well, uh, Dodoro, and some and and as well. I think getting seventeen games into Ben Hobbs, who I think we had some questions about whether or not it might have been the right call, given given that he's not he's not exactly a tall midfielder, but he came when he came in, he never lost his spot, and he just digs in every week, and that's the sort of that's sort of heart and effort that you need in this team, Cat, and yeah. We talked about the second half of the year. The last three games were was what I think w- w- drew the final straw in the back for the uh, the board. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, we talk about the young guys, Miller, and there's a lot of development. Probably a few that I was expecting to kick on a little bit more than they did, but you look at across the list, and we'll talk about a few of them um, across the, the most improved. But guys like Caldwell playing 20 games, Sammy Durham, we love him here at A3. He really kicked on across this year too. Um, Perkins has uh, got real good time into his development as well. BZT, have a bit more to say about him later, but... Um, good to see that a lot of the guys really started to, I guess, push to that next level, even if the results weren't necessarily coming for them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important in a year like that as well, Cap, for the young guys, as you're aware, to sort of get the bit of confidence under them and whatnot. And it was nice to see, um, you know, Tex Wangman get a few games as well and here and there. Um, Zach Reid had a bit of injury troubles, but at least he got into the park for a few games. Alistair Lord, Lord Farquhar, he had a, he had a bit of something <laughs> as well. I liked what he brought. He's good size as well. So, King and Dulop. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, as well, yeah, it was good to see those things. Another positive as well was the development, I suppose, in, in um, you know, Redmond Cat. I think that's one thing that you had seen for a long time, that he'd always been on the sort of brink of taking that next step. Mm. And, he, and he took a massive one this season. I think that... He turned from a just a bona fide sort of ball winner to a real sort of all rounded defender slash winger, even slash you know offensive threat going forward. He, he and he's two way defending as well. He he started to win a lot of one on ones, which is really important for a rebounding defender, I think. Yeah, he's definitely going to be one of those heart and soul guys for us for the rest of his career. Him and Sammy Draper are really the guys that get the boys going. Uh, you need those in a team, especially like us, who's never been particularly fiery. Over the past decade or so, we've got a couple of guys who actually will bring the heat now, which is nice. <laughs> Draper's um, goal, Cat, that's going to be a positive as well. Unreal, unreal. One of the, one of the better that. highlights I've seen from a Ruckman. Um, sort of reminded me a little bit of that uh, that Nick Nat one uh, mm. from early in his career when he did that big looping handball to himself, running out of the centre square, kicked it from 50. Um, but, yeah, it's a great, great year for Sammy Draper too. I thought he really came on well. He's got to get a bit of consistency Still, I think this season, and I think that'll come. Uh, it, it'll get there, absolutely. My other big positive, Doc, was locking away Zach Merritt long-term. Um, a guy who had his contract talked about a lot, but it was pretty clear that he wanted to stay with the club. And we've got a few of those guys who are going to be sort of future leaders locked in for the near future in 2027. Uh, it's fantastic to have Zach around until then, especially with you know the fact that we are going through another big coaching structure change at the moment. Yeah, that is that is a that is a great that is great positives there. Uh, Zach Merritt, obviously, just a I think he's probably the cornerstone of Essendon Football Club at the moment. Yep. Just the way just the way he conducts himself every week, uh, he, he attacks the ball well. He offers he offers another another link up option. Now I think now I think the focus turns into Darcy Parrish, who's out of contract at the end of this year. Absolutely, it does. Bloody hell! If we don't get Darcy, I know we're very very sad, man. Uh, coming into 2024 onwards. Um, a couple but, of little positives I had. Sorry, Kat, yeah, as well. I, I think Kyle Langford forward of the ball was really good in the back end of the year. I think that I really liked what Truck did with the three rotating through where it was, you know, Stringer, Langford and Perkins were operating sort of half forward slash mids and just rotating them through. us. I think, you know, Langford only played the nine games but ten goals, which is really impressive considering last year he played 17 games and kicked 13 goals. So he's played... Um, you know, eight games less and only kicked 
three goals less. So I think I like that. And Perkins kicked 16 goals this year from his 18 games. So I really like that and what they're bringing through in those respects. What do you think about Langford forward of the ball? Ken? Yeah, I think we talk about getting guys as options in the forward line. He's not obviously overly tall. He's more of a medium forward sort of size if we want to play him there. But he's got great hands, great mark, um, adds another aerial presence in there, which is definitely something we need to sort out, the balance between the midfielders and the forwards, especially if Jake Stringer's playing half a season again and you know he's doing his hammies in pre-season it sounds like he's going to have another interrupted one once again which is not surprising um but it's a balance we need to work out especially with more kids coming into midfield now getting minutes into Hobbs in the midfield as well um that's going to be a big part of 2023 but we'll talk about that a bit more at the end of the episode gentlemen mm. When it comes to things that didn't work, Doc, well, how long have you got, Kat? <laughs> oh, I mean, obviously, the big negative out of the whole season is the coaching change. Um, Truck Rutten getting sacked after only a couple of years into the job when it was supposed to be. The big handover moving forward into the future from Wisher, and now we're basically starting from square one again with Brad Scott. I don't mind the, the appointment of the coach, and we've spoken about him at Lynx mm. previously, but... It's just that little bit more interruption into a team which already was trying to recover from a couple of very, very desperate years of interruption. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting how we bounce back from here. Yeah, I, I just want to follow on for that, Miller. I thought it was a bit... I, I think from the game against... I think it might have been Port uh, late in the year. It, it, it all sounded like it was um, It was a bit, a bit of a bit of a merry-go-round there. Yeah. Um, whether or not he was going to stay, whether or not he was going to go, the Essendon board was sort of in two minds. They sort of sacked the president, then they then they reappointed another president. It was all a bit of a circus, to be honest. Mm. And the that and the club just doesn't need that right now. I mean, they, they were they were elimination finalists in twenty twenty one, and then they've gone five steps backwards, mm. both yeah. on field and off. Yeah, I think as well that that was the biggest thing that was. You know, frustrating for me was watching what happened with um, Truck Rutten and, and how that panned out. I just think that from a professional point of view, it just was not handled really well, I don't think. I think when you look at those sort of – those figures behind the coach, just how that was handled was just not the right way for, you know, how – you know, Ben should have been treated and ha- what the supporters and deserved. I think there wasn't a lot of yeah. transparency cap that was clear what was actually happening during that time. No, and I'm amazed anyone actually did take up the job after the <laughs> job treatment that Truck got. Uh, so good on Brad Scott for at least bloody wanting to do it. Um, but, you know, it was clear that big change was needed and we ended up going through, you know, coach out, CEO out and president out. And obviously the whole present situation was a bloody debacle as well. Um, yeah, yeah, the new the new president only lasted a day, cat. <laughs> mate, it was yeah. So the change was definitely needed, but I think Doc, the the fact that that whole situation even happened at all um, off field, it showed that there was a whole lot going wrong with us. Yeah, and as well, I think Miller touched on the the start of the season, but by round eleven, they'd only won two games. So there, there was a lot of pressure on Rutten even before that little run we were talking about, and that was yeah. good. I, I really liked watching Essen find their form again, but you can't go to a nine in a, in a season where the, the season before yeah. you've, you've just finished top eight and expect mm. to get away with it. Yeah, like I, I, I think the team's got the team's got a lot of good young promising players, but it's also got players that need to stand up and deliver now. Yeah. And, we, and, and we've seen Shield perform. We've seen Stringer last year perform really, really well. 
they just need to get everything together, and I don't think Essendon have it there yet. They need to they need to wait on the kids like Reed to come through. They need to wait on the kids like Archie Perkins to come through, yeah. and. I think they just put way too much expectations on the coach to do it. Yeah, it's going to be a full sort of squad change-up, I think. And we might see a different team the first few rounds as Brad Scott tries to work out who's going to be the guys that are going forward in the future and who's yep. going to be the ones that are going to be, you know, um, moving on or not part of the future success of the team. But I think there's a lot to really consider coming into this season. In terms of individual players, Miller, that I thought there were a couple that didn't necessarily go backwards, but maybe stagnated or didn't have as good a seasons as they could have. Shield, we spoke about a lot last year, and his first mm. half of the season was pretty shocking for what his standards should be as a leader, as a one of the more senior midfielders in the team. Um, I thought he really turned it around the second half, but it sort of was um, indicative of how the whole team was playing that first half, where I don't really know what happened, but mm. he just didn't look like the same player. I was going to say the biggest thing looked like it was lacking a lot of confidence, Cat, and something that Dylan Shield built on sort of the back end of last year was that he actually looked like he was back to his old self, but really struggled to find any sort of consistency. And I think that that with sort of, you know, Parrish was playing at a really high level and Merritt and those other star players were really up and about and doing their best, and Shield was sort of not involved at that party, which made it sort of a bit difficult. I think as well... I 100% agree with what you've said, Doc. I think that it's just going to be a matter of time and development. And I think the biggest thing is that I'd ask you, Kat, is what type of expectations then do you think fall back on Brad Scott? What do you, what do you think is his realistic timeline for things to start clicking? Well, I think this season is just a figuring it all out again season. New coach comes in. Um, like I said, he's got to figure out who he wants to be a part of this team in the future. Mm. If he's going to be our coach for the long term, if we see yep. him as a guy that's going to eventually bring us back to winning finals and all of that jazz, um, that's just got, got to be what we've got to figure out because we've got a lot to figure out in the midfield. We've got a lot of rotations through there and a lot of young guys. Yep. Um, we've got to figure out who's getting minutes in the forward line. And, of course, we've t- spoken about whether Reed can be that true key defender in the future, whether it's going to be BZT and whether it's going to be a, a new young man, Lewis Hayes. Um, we've got a few young guys who, who mm. could develop into that role, but um, Scott needs to figure out whose strengths lie where because obviously the back line, we cannot continue to play it the way we did last year. Jaden Laverde was our full back most of the season, which is definitely not sustainable into the future. As good a season as Lav had, uh, he's not taking on the big monster key forwards every single week. So no. um, I just want to see all that figured out and playing these guys in their best positions, finding their strengths, um, and as well, Doc, how the senior guys fit into this team mm. too. We spoke a lot about Dyson Heppel last year. Um, he's going around again, obviously, this season and sticking with the captaincy too. Um, where he lies in the future is going to be interesting, considering we do have a really, really big lack of leadership and experienced players. We spoke about it at the end of last year, but Devin Smith retiring um, and a few sort of other pieces moving around means we've barely got any players who've played over 150 games. <laughs> yeah, well, Dyson Heppel didn't play much across the midfield last year, so he was spending a lot more time along the wing, along, along half-back. He was playing a little bit more of a, of a freer role, doesn't allow, doesn't allow himself to, to go in hard and, and attack the ball like he used to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because I, I thought... 
I, I thought about this stat a, a long, long and hard, but Essen were 17th in the competition for contested possessions last year. The only team that averaged less was West Coast. And I think that's where the bulk of the problems lie. We talk about... I, I had some grievances about Darcy Parrish uh, this year about, you know, he averaged 31 disposals, and that's great. I mean, he's, get, he's getting his hands on the football a lot, but there was a lot of times where he handballed it to, pl- to players under pressure. There was a lot of times where he sort of got those little cheap out the back ones that, Tom, that we saw at, that we see out of guys like Tom Mitchell, Alex Miller. Yep. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think <laughs> I just... I just want to know, and and, and he finished, uh, and he finished tied for ninth in in the best and fairest. So not even the club thought he had that good of a year. Yeah, uh, com- compared to last year, and and if you go back and watch the games, Cap, you, you, I'm sure you can attest to this. Yeah. The difference of the difference of impacts of games between last year and this year has been chalk and cheese. I think it was definitely not necessarily entirely his fault as well. I think the midfield was a lot worse um, just in terms of structure and probably how they were coached as well across the season. There didn't seem to be as many defined roles. It was changing a lot week to week. Guys were all out of form really, which points to me that um, definitely something in the coaching had to change in that group because it looked a lot better that run when everybody sort of found a bit more of a role and got a bit more of that balance. So, look, I back him in to, to bounce back this season and um, we just need consistency, I think, out of the group, Miller, to, to really get moving. And like I said, finding the minutes into the young guys too. Who's rotating in? Mm. Who's going to have big minutes? Hobbs is obviously going to be keeping yep. his development in there. Probably see Perkins rotate in a bit through more as he continues to develop into his body and all that kind of thing. Snelling's still got to come back into the side as well and provide a presence into there. So I think there's um, room for it to get back to what it was. Maybe we still obviously have to change a lot in the midfield because we've still been one of the weaker contested possession and clearance sides for a long time now. So something's got to give, and that'll be a big focus, I think, of this season. Yeah, I'm with that, Kat, and I am agree a, a lot on the back of I think Parrish will respond. I think that I still think he's an elite player in the comp. I just think that one thing that's probably affected them is the – lack of defensive accountability in the midfield. I think that sort of reflected in the defensive numbers. You know, third worst ranked for points against in the comp. So struggling defending was an issue. There was a lot of talk about key defenders and we saw Jake Kelly do some really good jobs undersized. And as you said as well with Laverde and they played their roles, but they needed a bit more support, I think, um, from the centre. And I think that there's a lot of good ball winners in there for Essendon and some hard, you know, grunty midfielders. But I think... That's why I, I know Hebel's a bit slower now and it's a bit of a controversial take, but I think I'd like to see him back in the middle just for that sort of defensive pressure on the back end of the ball, even if he's mm. coming off the back of the square and coming in as another midfielder to support because that was something that I think affected more the team scoring than the actual defence itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it's more of a case that we've got so many young guys to get in there, yeah. Doc, that whether we're taking minutes away from them to... Put Heppel in there, probably better for the short term, but for the long term, I probably want those guys to be getting more minutes to keep growing and developing. I think it's not a bad idea to to even play Dyson Heppel sparingly in the middle. We saw Geelong do it a lot with Joel Selwood last year. Like they, they gave more minutes to the guys like Guthrie and Dangerfield who are still in their prime. Selwood's probably you know, a few years past that, and they only allowed him to attend like maybe what, 30 40% of centre-bounds attendances. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit, little bit of that. Mm. Uh, give Dyson Heppel maybe twenty percent in the middle, spend a little more time on the wing, play him where you need to play him. Mm. But I, but yeah, I, I, look, it's it's not not the worst call I've heard, Miller. I, I, I that's 
I think that's got some legs. You're not well, talking absolute shit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, 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 I guess we'll just talk shit now, Miller. <laughs> well, I do think, though, that, I mean, there's a couple of players that could play that role, though, Cat, I think. And I think Hobbs could play as a sort of defence-minded brute midfielder. But mm. we've seen him. There's been many games where you've seen him kick goals and you're wondering what he's doing in the forward line. But then you, he could do that from the midfield as well. So yeah. he, he's got a real good two-way ability. I think that there's some players that can definitely play that role that I could see Heppel playing. I think Caldwell um, showed as well. Yeah. You know, he's playing a couple of those tagging roles, but I think he can apply that defensive mindset more generally to the midfield too. Langford obviously offers a big presence as well. And I think mm. just having Snelling in their lane tackles again is going to be... Um, you know, I think it was pretty clear from his games that he played that he was carrying something for a lot of the year because mm. he was nowhere near what he can do across the season as well. So I think just having those guys playing a bit more consistently will help as well. Yeah, I think Caldwell's a big name for me there, Doc. I think what he added to the team wasn't as much offensive prowess as some of the other young midfielders are showing, but that's what they need, actually. They need that defensive tagging, hard-working def- defensive mid, and Caldwell could be that guy, I think. Yeah, it's why I said that I think that they need to use Heppel sparingly in the midfield because yeah. they've got guys that are coming through. You know, we see we've seen Hobbs do some good things this year. We've seen we've seen Jai Caldwell come in. I think the game is I think it was the game against Brisbane. He came in and, and he and he play and he just played out of his skin in that midfield. And and you're not moving and you're not moving Zach Merritt there either. No, and I, I don't know where you see Andrew McGrath cat, but I think I see him more permanently across halfback than in the middle. I like Andy on halfback. I still think he always looks a bit more rushed when he plays in the midfield. Uh, wastes his disposal a little bit sometimes. Uh, M- 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 Miller's not that. Miller's not happy. Not we've got a lot of midfield options, but we've also got a lot of halfback options. So I don't, is... I don't, I don't think you're moving Shield out of the midfield either. No, it's well, he either finds a role or he bloody ships off. Uh, I was going to say, we'll be moving him off the list if he's not careful. If he doesn't go about <laughs> it right this year, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think McGrath. I understand what I do. Agree to some extent what you're both saying. He's good off half back, but. He's a number one pick in that draft. He, he's got talent oozing out of his ear holes. And I do agree to some extent, Cat. he does look a completely different player to some extent when he's in the midfield. But mm. I, I don't know if he's had enough exposure properly, though, to, to see his best in there. Yeah. I think he probably just needs a good run at it. Maybe that happens a year once Heppel retires, but even then, it'll be too late. He'll be in your bloody six or seven by then, McGrath. So I don't know. I don't know. I love him. He's a good player, and wherever he plays, he'll add something. But I do think, yeah, probably halfback because I suppose you mentioned, Kat, you've got a plethora of halfbacks, and thank God none of them are Tommy Cutler or Connor McKenna anymore. But I think that um, <laughs> the, the ones that are down there are young sort of emerging players, and McGrath's been around the block a while, and he'll add sort of a bit of experience to that group, I think, is good. Yeah. No, I think, it's like I said, this is the decisions we've got to make throughout the year, and what we'll probably see the first – uh, eight or nine rounds is who fits in where and how's it going to go for the next couple of seasons. And hopefully Scott is going to figure that shit out because we probably need to. How many wins do you get next year, Cap? Oh, we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. Oh. A, because I need to think about it. And B, <laughs> I don't know where the expectations lie on this team for 2023. But let's crank into the most improved gentlemen. Uh, even in years of crap like this one, uh, players still come on. And I want to give a shout-out to my man, BZT, Doc. Brandon Zerk Thatcher. Uh, I, I think his second half of the season was probably one of the better um, for anyone in the team. And Alex Miller's still laughing away there at me. Uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> when he came in after that game, uh, you know, he played a bit in the VFL after he sort of had patchy starts to the season, but mm. his last couple of months to that year, Doc, he was our best key defender without a doubt. He was our best defender without a doubt. Uh, he was fantastic aerially. He was good one-on-one. He was good when he got to the chance to rebound the ball out of the back line. I think he just had such a good end to the season. It's a, it's really interesting that 12 months prior, we were sort of questioning whether or not uh, Zerk Thatcher had a spot in this team, Cat. And, and yeah, I, I think even you would have – I think even you would have been – you know, non fussed if you saw him delisted at the end of 2021. But well, yeah, he played 17 games before this season and he kind of was wandering around in no man's land, really. Yeah, there were a few games where he was wandering in no man's land, but he's he's responded really well, Miller. I thought he's he's uh his attack on the contest has been second to none. And in a year where the likes of Hurley didn't play uh, up until the end of the year and Zach Reed was, was in and out of the side with injury. They needed somebody to stand up. And another player that we haven't touched on was James Stewart, who I thought had a really good 2021, didn't play a lot of games. I think he only had about five or six games in 2022. Yeah, it's important, though, where his role is, Doc. It's got to be in the back line, you think, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it's it'll be it'll be most likely the back line. I, I, your key defensive stocks aren't, aren't as bad as you think, Kat. No. They're just very young at the moment for mine. Young and a lot of players who are playing sort of out of necessity. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he fully made the switch to a defender, but Jimmy Stewart, uh, in a realistic world, should not be playing key defense for us. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) Oh, gee whiz. Um, I'm going to get us back on track here. Um, You touched on the Red Dog earlier, Miller, and and I've had him pegged down as my most improved. I love the Red Dog. And here's why, because... 2021, and I think I might—I think I did a deep dive on him as well last year at some point because I, I just loved watching him play across the halfback. He's he's transformed himself into the ultimate defensive weapon. You, you see guys like Adam Saad and Bailey Dale take the game on the the way that they do with with absolute you know carefree of turning the ball over, and, and you see a lot of that in Redmond. He he picks his spots, he takes off, and he and he goes and delivers the ball off to his to his midfielders and, and attempts to try and get something work from the. Uh, from the defensive 50 and he averaged career highs in most statistics this year, which is a, which is a damn good achievement for mine. I th- I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm bringing up 21 disposals per game, the highest uh, 21 disposals per game, 6.2 marks and 4.3 rebound fifties. So that, that just goes to show just how evolved he is as, as an offensive weapon. Yep. Mine and we, we talked about whether or not he, he he was another guy we talked about cat in twenty twenty one whether or not he's he did have a spot in this team or not and I think you said it best earlier Miller he he, he was someone who was always on the cusp of, of really pushing himself into that mm. the A grade status and I think a top four spot in the uh, the BNF justifies just how good his year was yep no, I hundred percent agree with that I think for my MVP I mean. Something we we said before we went to air is that Peter Wright unanimously through all three of us was going to be MVP. So this is if we had to pick somebody else. I, I think Matt Guelphy, Cat, is a name that came up a lot in our Ooh. chat this year for having a really important season. And it's a really good call. I think that he, he played an important role this year, sort of a, a almost a third tall in an air for some respect. For somebody who's only 184 centimetres was a pretty good effort. Career high in marks, which is four per game, which is really impressive. But... The biggest thing is he's only kicked 31 goals in his career and he kicked 17 of them this year. So I like his role as a forward. Obviously, we've seen him play back, forward, mid, wing, everywhere in between. And I really like his role. He um, Most ever touches he's had in the, the season this year, disposal-wise. Most goals, as I said, 17 this year. 
Um, and he actually got a lot of really good contested marks for some of his sides. And he played an important role and was one guy, Cat, that pretty much from each week held his head high. He didn't always have big numbers, but he always played his role the best he could, I think, and in a tough season, as we said. Yeah, absolutely. He's really the true utility um, of our side. You can sort of slot him in anywhere that you need to if you're missing a spot uh, in the 18 on field, and I think he'll deliver well. And I think he thrives with that responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. When you give him a role, he'll play that role to the very end of the game. Um, so he had a great year, and I've got no doubt he'll continue to be a really important part of the side this season under Brad Scott. And a very um, impressive season, Cat, considering uh, he had the Netflix series Tinder Swindler to be doing as well. So uh, I think that many, many golfers should be very impressed with this year. He's done an amazing job. Yes, very, very good by him. Uh, while, yes, he's also starring on television as well. Uh, in terms of MVP, yeah, like we said, it's Peter Wright is pretty hard to go past this season. He was outstanding from start to finish. Um, it's kind of hard to choose someone past him. I'd probably mm. go him... Um, Docket. If I had to choose anyone else, oh, so, probably Zach. Probably Zach Merritt. <laughs> yeah, look, I'd probably put Zachy in there. You'd have to say you know, he had a bloody brilliant season again, and great to see him get the contract, like we said as well. Uh, we'll not be giving it to Jake Kelly. I don't know how he played twenty games across the year, but if I had to give it to someone other than Peter Wright, uh, Merritt probably gets the the, the chocolates for me. The top five of the Crichton medal, Miller, reads uh, Wright first, uh, Zach Merritt second, Matt Guelphie third, Mason Redmond fourth, and Jordan Ridley in fifth. Jeez, so We've done all right there. So we've pretty much labelled everyone who we thought had a really good year at Essendon. Ridley is a name we haven't really talked about, but he had a bit of a role change completely, Cap, but still did a really good job. I think that mm. he's a bit of a strange operator, Jordan Ridley. I loved it. Uh, not last season, but the season before where he won a lot of the ball. But obviously this year he had to play a bit more of a lockdown role and it was a bit different for him, I think, but he still did it really well. What, what do you think his role is going forward? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It was good to see him um, sort of really bounce back well after he had a, probably considering his 2020 season, his last 2021 season was, yeah, not as the, the same probably standard, but I thought he did well this year to, to bounce back a bit and, really recapture that form. He can play um, one-on-one, which is, yeah, I think he, he was needed to. Um, yeah. We were really <laughs> lacking a lot of depth in the back line in the early part of the season. But I, I like him more as that rebounding interceptor type. He's so good uh, reading the play, so good aerially, such a good intercept mark, and he's a great rebounder as well. He's one of our most reliable kicks out of the back line, which is something we also struggle with a lot. It's a beautiful kick at the start of last season. So I think that's his best role, um, unless someone else steps up into it. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Doc, but that's how I see his future, especially if we're getting these young guys coming through who can play more key roles. I think the word strange operators from Alex Miller there is probably the the exact sort of <laughs> way I feel about Jordan Ridley because we think back to his 2020 season it's – and it was magnificent. I mean, he only played it was nine games. Good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he only played nine games prior to it, and and here he was. He burst onto the scene. He won the, the he won Essendon's best and fairest medal. He averaged just crazy numbers yeah. for for a guy who I think was about 21, uh, 2021. And then he's he's just come. He's just been his statistics have been uber consistent. Mm. 17.8 disposals in 2020, 21 per game in 2021, 19.1 last year. And and his, and his marks averages are the same as well, 6.4, uh, just under 6 uh, in 2021 and 6.3 last year. Mm. So 
I don't, I don't know whether – it's not that he's gone a step backwards. I think it's like what you've said. He, he's played in a couple of different roles. He, I, I know I know he loves it. He loves the matchup on Aaron Norton um, whenever, the, whenever the Dons and the Dogs get together. Um, and and there's also been games where he, he's been allowed to, to play a bit more freely. And mm. it's crazy to think that he's only 23 and he'll be 24 this year. So there's still a lot of room for him to be a 25-26 disposal player per game sort of player. And when he gets that, we'll be talking about putting him and at his, and when Essendon start winning more games as well, we'll start seeing him noticed more more and more frequently and we'll be talking more and more about all Australian considerations for him. Yep. Because because he's smart, he's intelligent, he he's he's a great two-way defender. He yep. he beats his man, he he gets the intercept possessions, he loves to run and rebound the ball. Does it does everything that a defender should be doing. Yep. And I love that call as well, Doc, in terms of footy IQ. He's got a brain on him, that's for sure, because he, he knows when to go and when to not. And you talked about the kicking as well, Cat. I think uh, probably in the comp, I would say Jordan really kicking out a fullback would be easily a top five option, if not top three, the way he goes about it. He does not make many mistakes. Um, no. So that's what you love in a, in a fullback kicker adderer. If you want to call him that. <laughs> a fullback kicker out of her. Love that right? call, mate. Yes, he's a beautiful kicker of the footy and it's a very, very important part of our defensive structure. And, will and a gorgeous man team. as well. Always and loves a... himself on the screen. He always uh, he gets around himself, that's for sure. Uh, where to now, gentlemen? 2023 is going to be a super important year for this club. And you said, oh. raise a question already, Mel, so I guess I'm going to have to answer it now. <laughs> yes. Is the expectations for this season. Look, the only positions that on the ladder that I do not want to see this club finish is seventh or eighth. And the last thing we need is <laughs> limping into another elimination final just to lose it over in bloody Perth or in bloody Sydney or wherever the hell we get sent off to uh, this season. That's the last thing we need, and I think that'll just set us backwards. Um, if, it, if we do have the talent to be a top eight team, I want to see us host a final, something like that, or... You know, we're not breaking into the bloody top four. But if we want to be <laughs> a finals team, it's got to be the higher end of the bottom four, I think. Otherwise, just play the kids and get the development in. I don't care if it's six wins. I don't care if it's eight wins. I don't care if it's four wins. Um, it's just going to be getting the team right, finding where Brad Scott sits with a lot of these guys and how we're going to look for the future because we are in a very sort of pivotal moment, I think, from now on. We do have one of the youngest lists in the comp, like we've said, Got a severe lack of players who've played 150 games or more. Um, leadership's going to be important, but development's going to be more important, I think, this year. So my expectations, um, like I said, anywhere other than 7th or 8th, and I'm happy um, because that's just going to be a waste of a season for mine. That's the most sensible thing I've heard from an Essen Porter since uh, <laughs> you know, the dawn of time. I, I agree, Kat. I, I think it's interesting. It's hard to actually put a number on wins, like – because I'm sort of with you. I can't tell if this team has enough talent to do things or if it's going to be a year of development. It's really hard to tell. I think realistically, I'd like to see at least eight to nine wins considering um, what they put up this year. And they do have the potential to crack double digits. But I 100% agree. Making the bottom end of the eight is just not the way to go, which is really strange to say about because... When you're a team, you don't usually say we don't want to finish in the eight. But if you do finish in the eight, as you said, you'd want to finish fifth or sixth. So I don't know. I think that it's going to be a really important season. I think like you, the key though is for Brad Scott to find 
who's going to be there, who he wants there, who's going to bust their ass, which players are going to kick on and identify them and stick with that core and yeah. and really um, hammer home some real key truths. The contested possession something that Scott did actually really good at North Melbourne um, and something that obviously Doc and yourself have pointed out that they need to improve. So I could really see that being a big improvement. I, I think my worry though is, yeah, they, the, the, the key defenders in particular, but also just the rest of the young guys just need to kick on. It's a critical season for the club for – not just this year, but for five years down the line where they're going to be. So it's a really important year. I think Scott is the answer. I think that he can bring good player development, Doc, and we've seen that from North. He's gotten a lot of out of some good young players. The question sort of comes around as well, what game plan is this team going to bring? And I'm still that's still my biggest thing about Essendon is that I've seen a team that made the eight play one style, and we saw last year just play completely different, and I just don't know what direction they're heading in. Yeah, it's interesting when they when a new coach comes in, you don't exactly know what expectations you sort of mm. get. I mean, I think back to when Beveridge came in at the Dogs uh, after after the the crazy year we had the year before, and I and, and I just thought to myself, look, as long as we compete in games, I don't care where we finish. Yep. Um. You know, we ended up we ended up uh, losing at Adelaide in the final, which was which was far beyond anything I could have I, I could have imagined. So, in your case, Cat. Look, I'd love to see you do more, win more than seven games. You won seven games in twenty twenty two. I'd like to see you win maybe ten. Mm-hmm. Fin- fin- you finish, you finish somewhere between ten to twelve. Uh, I'd like to, see, yeah. Like, I whether or not you do that or not, I'm not entirely sure. I, yeah. I think, I think the news of uh, your, your your pick Sartis doing his knee. Uh, I think it was only, I think it was a meniscus tear. So that's all, that's already proving that it's going to be uh, it's going to be another one of those years. Yeah, it's um, disappointing that we don't get to develop him for a better part of the season. But um, look, I, I don't know how many number of wins uh, we've got. Double ups against GWS, against North, against West Coast. Those should all be well, achievable wins. I think you'd hope, you'd hope so. I'd like to think oh, yeah. that we're ahead of all those teams. Uh, matches against Hawthorne, St Kilda, Gold Coast are interesting ones for mine. Those are games I think we can win, but I expect. The Gold Coast to go up. I expect Hawthorne to sort of be around the same sort of mark this year. Um, don't know about St Kilda, probably middle of the pack sort of team. And Adelaide at home, I think, is one we can possibly win as well. There's a few games here and there that I'm not willing to rule out, but I think that it's going to be a struggle against the, the final sides this year. And we didn't really put up much of a fight against many of them in 2022. And I don't see a lot of immediate improvement in that. So Look, that seven to eight sort of mark, even nine, I think is achievable. But like I said, I don't care about the win count as long as we see some sort of change in the team, hmm. consistency more so than anything, and a game style where these players are being used to their advantage and played in the right roles, really, um, is all I want to see from, from 2023. So the win mark doesn't really matter as much to me, gentlemen. Uh, it's just going to be a year of sitting back and just hoping we don't look like absolute crap. If you could put a number on it, though, Cat, where would you put them? Now, like I said, those seven to eight, seven to nine sort of wins, which would probably put us around that 13th to 12th possibly mark, um, I think that's fine. Like I said, just don't waste a year with another stupid elimination final. Um, If we finish in the bottom four, so be it, as long as they look like they're putting up a bit of fight and there's a bit of a clear plan. Um, Not as many blowouts, I think, especially the end of the season last year was really disappointing. 
Same with the start. Obviously, we had our personnel issues, but those games where we just roll over, uh, don't want to see any of those this year. I think it's no. sort of like we said with the Crows, Miller, where we don't expect them to be blown out, really, and they shouldn't be aiming to get blown out this year. I think that should be the same for us. Yep. No, it's a good call. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I agree too. I think this. I think you can win three of, three of your first four, Cap. Hawthorne, Hawthorne away, Gold Coast at home, St Kilda away, and G, and GWS. I it, it, I'm expecting the bloody Hawks to beat us, but you're right. It is achievable. I think it is definitely it, achievable. I think all four of them are achievable. Gold Coast, the Gold Coast game is at Marvel Stadium, and they don't travel particularly well yet. Uh, not that not that we've seen. Uh, St Kilda, they don't have Max King, so you, you're you're well you're well and truly in with a chance there, and. GWS is GWS, so I don't know what, you, what you're going to expect. But it's a but it's a home but it's a home game as well. So mm. I, th- I think three or four games is definitely achievable in your first in your first month. And if you do that, I think it sets up your season quite brilliantly. Whether or not you yeah. whether or not you make finals or not, whether or not you fall off the wagon, that I'll leave that up to uh, the powers that be at Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> the powers that be say, God knows what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but it's going to be an interesting season. Like I said, it's a bit of a crossroads sort of year. Yeah, it is. Um, and I just hope that we end up on the right side of the road and not getting knocked down by the semi-trailer as we seem to do every year for the past 15 years. Um, but look, I think that's about wraps up everything we've got to say on the Bombers, gentlemen. Um, thank you for listening along with us for this episode. Make sure you stay across our socials so you know when new episodes come out. A340 podcast on Facebook and Instagram at A340 on Twitter. And we have our email as well, A340 at gmail.com. Plenty more season reviews to come, so make sure you keep sticking around for those. Lots to talk about for every team's 2023. Got a bunch up already, so make sure you get into those before the season starts. With all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've been Alex Doherty. Stay tuned for the next episodes. We've got the Suns coming up. We love the Gold Suns. Plenty to talk about there. 